No problem. Welcome back to Soul Practice, Raw Conversations, Real Practices. I'm Phyllis Mathis. And I'm Kathy Escobar, and we love playing with friends. It's one of our favorite things to just have our friends come on and hang out with us for a half hour or so. And so today, um, our friend Ryan Taylor is here, and Phyllis has followed Ryan um, over time. I actually never met him until today. I've known Ryan for 15 teen years before then I mean I don't know it's got to be in that range don't you think I think it's more than that I think I it's probably know. closer to 20 for you and I it yeah might be. the refuge is 18 so maybe it's like the early days of the refuge I'm not positive oh. that I knew you before then and I so met you when you were just starting the refuge okay yeah 18 years what and that's when I met Phyllis we yeah. met each other in, in exactly that exact space um, so I have known Ryan and just been in different spaces with him related to soulful conversations and spiritual formation, um, liturgies that we would do at places of violence in Denver, which have been really meaningful to us that we've adapted over the years. And um, and then just watched his journey um, running Network Coffee House, which is different from the Refuge for those of you that know the Refuge Cafe. Um, but has some of that same ethos. So we've basically always been kindred spirits since the day we met. And Ryan is, um, if you follow him on social media at all, and it's worth it because he just shares really soulful, beautiful things about life and faith and ordinary living that gets underrated all the time. It's always underrated. And so he has a book called Awkward Spirituality, the Divinity of Ordinary Life. And it's such a sweet book. And I open it up because I have it. I have a little place in my um, office that has like books that friends wrote. And so it was fun just to walk right to it. I knew where it was. And um, this is what I wrote because I wrote a, a praise for it. And it says, in a world that values big, better, and efficient, Christianity has often adopted the same values and built its systems and metrics up on them. The result something that looks far different than Jesus. Simple, small, humble, vulnerable, and friendship are not popularly touted concepts in Christian practice, yet they are exactly what the world needs more of now more than ever. Ryan Taylor's work, words, and decades of engaged practice challenge and encourage us to embody something very different than most of us were taught. He's a humble guide on a path that doesn't lead to a shiny, scenic lookout point, but rather down a rocky, beautiful road that changes our lives, our hearts, our communities, our practices forever. Mm. I love that. I love what I wrote. <laughs> Great, Kathy. <laughs> it was pretty good. But he's a mystic. He's a spiritual director. He's a holder of hard things. And um, and he gets everything that we talk about here on Soul Practice about the hope being in the underground and the little simple things that are completely underrated in a world and a faith for a lot of people um, that's flashy and shiny and all the things. So Ryan, we're glad you're here. Welcome. Well, honored to be with you both. So good to meet you, Phyllis, for the first time. And yeah. it's just a privilege to be with two kindred souls. Yeah always good for us and so people I would love to just hear a little bit more of your story and you know you know it's a long story but just like some of those things that a little bit about you that help people who are listening understand and kind of some of the things that you deeply care about 
Sure. Um, yeah, I've been in Denver. My wife and I have been in Denver now for 21 years. We're both from Indiana. So we're both Midwesterners and we're both, we both come from sort of the evangelical tradition, myself more from a, a fundamentalist ultra conservative edge of evangelicalism that I, that I grew up in. And then um, by the time I, I hit the college years, uh, it was already starting to move towards a more progressive faith. And so how I've, how I've uh, explained it to a lot of people, since some people can relate to this journey, I'm sure many people can't, but I, I went the route of the evangelical church. You know, I got Brian McLarenized back in the early 2000s, like so many, like so many of us did. And he meant so much to me. And then we jumped from Indiana to to Denver to go to a conservative seminary. And so it was Brian McLaren and Richard Rohr that kind of got my ass through seminary. <laughs> and then and then from there, I, I went the the sort of emerging church, missional church, monastic thing route up into whatever we are in the present, which I don't know how to name, but I've just kind of followed all those iterations that came my way and, um, and beautiful, beautiful guides all along the way. You know, you come from this sort of fundamentalist evangelicalism and then you kind of go, oh, I, I'm really attracted to Thomas Merton and this Catholic practice. And then, oh, and then this sort of Buddhisty way of opening up my mind into some, some broader generosity and kindness. And, um, and then you, you know, many people talk about sort of a second conversion, like if the first conversion is to whatever religion, and there's the second conversion from sort of privileged middle-classness into wanting to be among those who are unseen and under-resourced. And so I hit that second conversion really hard about 20 years ago, which led me into all sorts of new relationships. And that that led me into the network Coffee House um, about 15 years ago. And the founder and the director there, um, he asked me to be his predecessor. So about 10 years ago, I took over as executive director of Network Coffee House, which is just a hospitality house for chronically homeless, chronically mentally ill of Capitol Hill, Denver. It's been there for 41 years. I believe this is the 42nd year of Network Coffee House. And it's it's my conclusion of my time at Network Coffee House. So I just told Kathy, I'll be I'll be done with my with my work at Network at the end of this month. So that's that's where I'm currently at. I I'm so curious about um how it was for you like were you ever tempted to be the hot evangelical big you know successful church guy or did you kind of get uh cuz you you could do it like I could just tell you'd be the guy that would be attractional you know you're articulate you understand the script there's so many guys who who get quote unquote successful in their careers and you stayed with an authentic kind of faith like almost didn't were you tempted 
or did you always go, what are you guys doing? This is, this is where we should be. How is that for you? Do you get what I'm asking? Yep, absolutely. It's a great question. And uh, it's funny. I feel like I have this sort of humble veneer with a, with a, with there, there's still a, a, uh, arrogant megachurch pastor inside of me. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> humble veneer. On the so there's still that push and pull uh-huh. even now at 46, but Phyllis, I, my, my first introduction to Henry Nowen, and that's in my, it's in my book, Awkward Spirituality. But one of my first introductions was reading the quote, the Christian leader of the future um, will be completely irrelevant with Uh, nothing to offer, but his or her own vulnerable self. So I read that when I was 21 years old and I, I read of, of Nowen's downward trajectory uh and prominent professor at Ivy League schools to then working among developmentally disabled individuals and people that knew nothing of his books and of his speaking and just wanted his companionship. Um, so that 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 became like a a thorn in the in my arrogant flesh uh, that didn't allow me to go down the road too far of of that sort of male uh put me in the put me in the spotlight mm-hmm. make me famous sort of thing mm-hmm. it just it was never congruent i could never be satisfied with it you were you were wrecked from the get-go yeah. <laughs> <Sounds like, laughs> cuz we can't have that vulnerable hang out with the underground we can't you know mm-hmm. that that i i kind of look at it as as in the 90s you're quite a bit younger than me but that whole takeoff of the mega church movement in the late 80s and 90s was just like wait we need to make this relevant we really need you know i think there was some sincerity there but then it it just made stars of a lot of people who um who either crashed and burned or you know, made, created a culture that doesn't look like those values at all. Yes. So, yeah. And in my spiritual director work lately, one thing that I've, that I've, I've found is uh, I, I, folks can tend to gravitate towards me that are deeply relational and want to go that slow walk. Mm-hmm. And the, and especially in, in, uh, in men, there's this desire to to want to be a lead pastor or an executive director and i don't i don't want to get in trouble for asking this um but i know i'm safe with you guys but i've asked this question like how many lead pastors and in how many people at the top of any organization do you know that are deeply deeply relational and go about the work of of mentoring and truly seeing you for who you are, that slow, gritty, relational work. How many people have you known from the top of an organization um, that have done that really well? And so 
those it, it, oftentimes it feels like those of us that really want to see um, others and companion others don't end up at the top of anything. Or if we if we started up there, we keep we keep uh, going down towards or towards the edges and towards the bottom of of whatever wherever place or institution or space we find ourselves in. Um, otherwise, we just don't have the integrity that people are looking for and the safety that people are looking for and the slowness that people need. There's such a speed to running an organization. I mean, such a pace that's needed yeah. or that we think mm-hmm. is needed to run an organization and that, but people need slow. And so. But everything in the world is fast. Yes. And- so like everything is, and we wrestle with this a lot at the refuge because we are a slow organization and we're non-hierarchical as best we can be and super nurturing and empower, you know, we just empowering people to do their thing and all that. So, but people don't understand it. And so they even ask us about like our structure and our structures, it just doesn't fit into the metrics and the things that it like just doesn't fit and it's not a corporation we're so used to that kind of pyramid structure of a corporate business that basically is a religious business yes (laughs) how do you actually do that like how without losing your soul Uh, i don't personally don't think you can but yeah and here here's a question for both of you like optics and branding and marketing yeah. <laughs> if you if you want to if you want to grow an organization or fund it you know there's a pace and there's an instagram um polish that's needed on the exterior when we know below that is not the fuel that makes that it, it's not what we're wanting in our heart um and uh, so it's it, that that's fascinating to me. I think, you know, people like like us are moving more and more away from polished optics um, because it just doesn't tell the story. We're going too slow and it's too gritty and it's too messy for there to even be a, a good uh, website <laughs> that, that could come from it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that's that's the challenge. That's the tension. But I, I so appreciate what I experience in both of you that you that this is not a foreign conversation. This is I feel so safe in that conversation with the two of you. Well, so, I've you. known Kathy, you know, we've talked about this from from the early days in the refuge and how frustrating it was to just get any kind of funding or get people to understand um what the refuge is doing. So, you know, I'm just kind of walking with Kathy and and what they really care about. And I have this famous thing. I say to Kathy, yeah, nobody wants that shit, Kathy. <laughs> she tells me this all the time. And she's 100% right. It's like, yep. we say we want true spirituality, authenticity, blah, blah, blah. But where, where do, on, if we're going to gather, what do we want? We want to be, we want to be inspired. We want to be comfortable. We want to be all of these, the temptation to create a spiritual community that 
is not uh, slow level and awkward. Mm-hmm. I, I'm like, I don't know how anybody does it. So people who do it, I, I appreciate quite a bit. Yeah. Well, and it makes me think, um, so one of the, one of the other like similarities in the work is just how, and this is a big part of the book is just how basic relationships, sitting, hanging out, being with each other and all the mess. And, you know, to me, it's really not just about baby things. It's just about humanity. And that, you know, we, what's the first thing related to people who are unhoused? Like, okay, so what are they doing to move into housing? And how can we move them into housing? And, and, um, you know, we're always saying to, to people like, we're not, that's not our objective. There are people that want to, and we're glad and we'll help them. It's an important thing. We've gotten people housed, but we have other friends who don't. Are they less than? Is that like, they're this, we, we're going to hang out with everybody. We don't care where they're from. We don't care what they're situated. The one thing they have to do is basically not harm other people when they're on site. <laughs> that's it. And so, a high bar. Yeah. and so that just won't work. Um, but other than that, you get to be here and be part of a community. And so I just would love to hear more because that is like a core value for you. And just what, what that taught you about life and the world and all the things, just the simple, the most simple thing of just friendship, not even food and shelter and all these things, just friendship and a safe place to be for a little while. What has it taught me? I mean, it's, it's, you know, to go back to Phyllis's question of like, was I ever tempted to, to go the, um, I don't know, the, the top of the pyramid route as a leader. Um, it's taught me that that's not possible in those kind of gritty um, spaces where we're just hanging out and we're humanizing and dignifying one another. We're learning one another. We're, doing that gritty work of of loving one another just as we are without an agenda even if in a in a space like ours without an agenda of getting somebody housed or resourced the weird thing is is the more you start to love somebody and get to know them you want to get you want to provide the things that are going to create health and liberation for them so eventually you do move down the path of how can we be more helpful um, but it doesn't start there. It starts with the most basic, how are the Broncos doing? Or do you believe in Sasquatch? Um, <laughs> the, the most, the most random, uh, you know, it, it, it's, it's so contextual. I think, you know, one of the things that we're talking about right now is the movement from, uh, from efficiency to context. I don't know if mm-hmm. that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, or or agenda maybe a, agenda to presence within the the context of the moment and what's needed right there um and if we can and, and that ta- that does take a lot of humility to stay right there and it it i think it takes a lot of self-awareness to stay right there um a lot of patience well and you're I think we're used to inviting people into our cool place or our helpful place or our safe place. Yeah. 
And, and instead, it sounds like what you're doing is just going into their lives and being present in their lives for as long as it takes. And if that's all you do is become friends, talk about Broncos or Sasquatch, they, they have had the dignity of friendship and you're making friends. You get the, you get the pleasure of their company. Yes. Yep. And even, even the work, uh, you know, we'll have outreach workers come in and seek to provide resources and provide that pathway to housing. Um, but even in that you're, there's an agenda to it. And so it can, it, the dignity at times can be stripped away from a person because there's an agenda to get you inside of, you know, I assume that you don't want to be outside. Um, and it, it, it's just such a slow, there's so much safety and dignity and all that soil has to be tended. Mm. Um, and the down the road, uh, desire to see housing, um, healthier resources, more provisions that that's down the road. Um, but like you just said, it, we have to meet, meet you where you are at in the moment and, and begin to, to engender trust, develop this, this, this dynamic of trust between us, this environment of trust. And, um, everybody's pace is different. Every mm -hmm. context is different. Everybody's pace, you know, like you might need, want that resource right now. And somebody else may may require six months to six years to trust me with connecting them with the caseworker. Um, um, we don't know. You don't. We don't know the the background. The you know the di diversity of background. There's so much trauma, especially in a space like ours and in a space like the refuge. There's there's such there's so much complex entanglements um, within all of us, and it those don't get untangled quickly. Mm -hmm. So it feels like the work of, of dignity and the work of love is to trust in some sort of transcendent uh, spirit that wants to do the work of untangling and, and bringing us together to a place of union. So. We're just not used to those conversations and that kind of, of lifestyle having anything to do with spirituality like being in someone's context having those kind of conversations being human and offering dignity like what's spiritual about that is kind of how i hear from my background and mission oriented sort of you got to get people saved and they need to be you know channel them into changing their lives and and so i just I just love that being human is it is this kind of the basic spirit stuff of spirituality, you know, yeah. like they're not two different things. Absolutely. Yeah. That if we love one another, we're going to desire one another's wholeness, regardless of whatever path it takes to get there. Yeah. And that's that's what I love about the mystics, you know. As Kathy mentioned, the the mystics, and I, you know, I'll quote the mystics in in any talk that I give, and in, in any book or writing. Um, but there's this there's this sense of mutuality and um, 
this this movement towards healing and wholeness. The pathway can be really funky and diverse. <laughs> and it, it doesn't have to look the same for you as it does for me. Yeah. And that feels more like more like love. Yeah. Than needing it to needing you to say what I need, what I think I need you to say mm-hmm. to fit my context. Yeah. Well, and it has zero to do with power, right, Kathy? Yeah, it takes the power. It, it, the power dynamic is totally different. It's not that it doesn't exist because we always need to be acknowledging power, but it's like it just does change when there's slow giving and receiving and all the things that not an agenda that's there and, you know, finding that shared humanity that is really missing in any program, like any program, like if it's a program to like do that, it just misses the shared humanity part. And I remember Ryan, I mean, you're the only person. So I'm working on a project right now called all roads lead to power. And it's like a, it's going to be like a weary world. It'll be, it's called a redemptive challenge for Lent. So it's, it, it, I'm, I'm in the thick of it right now in power. You're the only person in all my years that I ever saw do something solely on power. I've heard a lot of people, you know, allude to it and especially in the anti-oppression space and stuff, but like you did a direct thing. I remember this. I can't remember the gathering, but I remember you stood up there and gave a whole thing just on power. And I think it was Janet Hagberg's stuff, or I can't remember. It was a long time ago, but yeah. it's a great example. Like it's a thing that exists in literally everything, but no one ever talks about. You're the one that encouraged me to do that, Kathy. Ah, did I? I brought it up in a, we were on a, on a board for the, the faith and justice conference oh, and I, I brought it up and then you had to say, well, you need to do that. You you need to get up there and talk about that. So, oh, that makes me happy. I forgot that. Myself. Yeah, yeah. You encouraged me to do it, so I I really appreciate that. And one thing, as, as you guys are talking, and as you're talking about power, um, what strikes me is is questions. When one person is is asking a a very heartfelt, whatever you want to call it, um, very sincere question, um, I'm handing you power. Or, or I'm leveling the the power field, and uh, and I think that's your answer. I'm putting myself in a vulnerable space because you're you might not give the response that I'm that I would think of, that I would want, or your your response might might drone on too long, more than I have the time to listen to. <laughs> all these different things about about asking a question um, and asking good questions that is this expression of, I'm going to hand you power. And, and more and more, I see questions and desires. Like we're, we're changed by those two things primarily. Hmm. What, what do we desire? And what do, what are we, what questions are we asking? And if we can come to one another uh, with listening for those two things, what are your questions and what are your desires? And if we can ask better questions, it feels like it dissolves a little bit of that power static, that power frenzy that that we feel everywhere mm-hmm. among us. Man, you feel it everywhere, and this, which I and I think you have to within you know not to get too philosophical here, but within 
competitive capitalism. There's a competition in the air that we're breathing. And there's a one-upmanship and a and a and a pursuit of superiority. Mm -hmm. And but when I but when we can share questions and desires, ooh, a good exhale, mm. a good powerless exhale. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I was once uh, when I was teaching um, School of Life several years ago, I was exploring, you know, how does the soul, what's the soul like? You know, what is it? What are some of the because I was was taught that we had one, but it was God's, you know, so no one ever talked about what's the soul like. So we were exploring that and having a good time in a conversation. Then somebody just raised their hand and said, so what's the soul's relationship to power? And I just kind of it. I just stepped back and my eyes went big and I was like, well, uh, versus our, like the, our ego's relationship to power, we see it in a hierarchy. We see it. there's just certain ways we could just, but it just kind of came out of my mouth. Well, that's easy. We look at it this way. I think the soul looks at it as power is just the ability to do work. I, I was taught that in physics class, you know? just the ability to get something done that's power but we have mushroomed it into a competition a hierarchy all of that stuff and and so it was a big contrast to me that if we are going to be soulful people truly spiritual people we have to do something about the power urge um uh, what is it man's um it's a famous quote from some famous philosopher that we strive to power all the time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's good, Phyllis. And so, and so spirituality, I love your title, awkward spirituality, but I kind of want to go, well, isn't that just spirituality? <laughs> you know? The fact that we have to call it awkward or the real or true or authentic, just, I think it belies the cultural stuff about spirituality how entangled and and polluted uh spirituality has become when we have to kind of say hey let's get back to and and you have to might have to be awkward about it or you might have to be um authentic as if you know what i'm saying yes that our yeah. our modifiers for the word spirituality kind of tell tell us where we're coming from yeah because it's so individual it's so personalized and yet, but because we want to look like everybody else and make sure we don't stand out too much, but it's so awkward because it's so individuated. Mm -hmm. And that, that thing with power is, uh, it's so, again, it's so, it's so personal because, you know, the two of you interact with people that, that need to move more into their power. You know, again, it's so, it's so contextual. And that's why I believe the work of, spiritual direction, companioning others through the work of self-awareness is the bedrock. It's the foundation for any social justice endeavor mm -hmm. because everybody's relationship to power is so contextual. So many, you know, so many people that I have interacted with in the last 15 years need a pathway to greater power. And then we yeah. know so many people that need a pathway to far less power. <laughs> yeah. 
that don't want to walk that road. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So again, this 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 place of healing, being companioned on the pathway towards healing to understand what what each individual's relationship is towards power is so important. And it feels like the the bedrock to any sort of liberating path. Mm -hmm. Well, and the place I feel like it all fits in where the worlds collide is, um, you know, just taking, taking the, even our context out and just popping it into this soulful work of being human and trying to survive this really hard, harsh world with a little bit of, hope and a little bit of groundedness and peace and the things that we desire integration is that we can do the same thing in whether you're Christian or not Christian or any of the other spiritualities that I know people religions because they all have different methods of this it's why you know Buddhism can be a really liberating thing and then there's parts of it that are like if you do this then you get this like they all have the same thing um, which is super annoying but the part that I think we're always drawn to is that we don't have to figure it out with our head and it's not skill based. Like if you figure this out and then you do it this way, then you get this thing. It's basically practice based and is soul based. It's like what makes our souls come alive and how do we become more free people? How do we become more, um, uh, grounded people that can have re resilience in this world, things that we were not taught at home. We certainly weren't taught in faith because we were taught all that other stuff by all those people. So like, we're having to learn it on our own, but we have good guides. Um, but it's just like, my bottom line is everything that to me, what you're talking about and what you believe in and what you're passionate about is accessible for everybody, but it's completely countercultural even in other sp faith spaces or no faith spaces, like we're just addicted to figuring shit out and moving forward and moving up. And no one wants to go down. No one wants, no one to, wants to go down. <laughs> no one wants to go down. And that's everything we care about. Absolutely. That's so well said. Yeah. My uh, inner charismatic is amening like crazy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. I think the other word that's important that's maybe a, a potent piece of um, of authentic spirituality is just presence. And when I think about what you do at the cafe and in spiritual direction is just the ability to be present with another soul without an agenda um, is it's a skill, man, <laughs> it, it, to lay down what you think should be talked about or a person should be doing and to be present with another person and create a space for them to be more and more present with you is a, that's a, that's a pretty delicate, powerful skill. And uh, I think we don't, it's there and we feel it. Uh, and the power of presence, but we don't always know how to do it. We stumble upon it, you know, and then you're like, that was fantastic. That was so poignant or whatever, but, um, but just having it as a practice and learning how to be, just be with people 
at a certain level um, is a really important, powerful thing. And I think that's a lot of what I'm hearing the, that Network Coffee House is all about, is just having a, a place for presence. Yeah, that's right. That's and that's so well said, you know, and can I can my curiosity be stronger than my projections? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. You know, just allow allow you that space to to be you and for me to take that in without me constantly telling you who you need to be or or what you need to be and where you need to go. Yeah. Excellent. Oh, so good. So good. And um, I mean, we could just talk all day. I knew you guys were meant to know each other. I think you're going to play a little bit. And I think that the piece that I love, um, Ryan, is that as you transition out of that role, that, you know, what you did over those chunk of years to really continue to nurture that culture, you know, all that you're going to just keep doing is being you and taking this slow relational connection with people and holding space. And as a spiritual director, like this is what we need. We need people that can hold space for us mm. and sit and um, not have anything figured out, but to, um, I don't know, just connect in that deeper, wider, wild place that no one wants to go, but the systems don't want to go, but people want to go. I guess that's a better way to put it. People mm. want to go, but Absolutely. the systems don't want to do it so it's not efficient it's not efficient for the system yeah no, not efficient for the system um well so we always end with a little thought for the soul and maybe a practice and so um phyllis does the soul and i do the practice and then we ask people who come to kind of do both and so just thinking about kind of this way of moving whatever's on your mind like what's a little reminder for all of us today just like let's just remember this about our souls and then maybe a practice a simple practice that can help us keep being healthier humans yeah a, a soul reminder that's been on my mind um recently is it's in terms of listening to the divine or listening to a transcendent voice so many of us that grew up in whatever spiritual uh, space, we were told that the divine loves us, the source loves us. And I I feel like that that has lost its power because so many people are saying, can I trust myself? Am I trusted? So if you can hear the voice from beyond saying, I trust you, I see you, I know you, I recognize what you've been through and I trust you um, could sometimes give you the power that you need to move forward because the power of the, I, I love you is the word love is said so much and communi it's communicated so much that I am not so sure it's maintained its power. But what, what we, what I hear from so many is this, this struggle, the sense of scarcity in oneself and the struggle to trust oneself. So if you can, if you can move, be, there's some sort of hurdle in us that really struggles accepting that the divine trusts us. And so if we can pause and hear the words that we are trusted, you are deeply, deeply trusted. So can, will you trust yourself? 
to move forward. So that would be my my sole invitation. And my my practices for for myself these days is um, if I can if I can brag a little bit. In 2024, in the first month of January, I've almost hit 10,000 steps a day. Um, but but just the the work of walking, uh, walking has been so good. Moving at the speed of three miles per hour or under, uh, walking is so good. And listening, sometimes taking the the podcast out. Uh oh, I just messed up our our branding here. Um, but if, <laughs> If if you can take the podcast out or the or whatever, and listen, and notice the work of walking is so good. And then, lastly, from for myself, I'm dabbling in painting and sketch these days. And there's there's nothing that that brings up the the self doubt. This is not presentable. Um, this is not what I meant for it to be. Uh, and then. Sometimes you'll hear a divine, holy, fuck it, do what needs to be done, throw paint on a canvas, uh, keep moving in that, and then pause and look and see what's been done. Um, that, for me, that that practice has been illuminating and allowing me to grow in, in self-awareness. Mm, love it. So good. Phyllis, thought for the soul? Too many, but um, today I'm just comforted by the thought that this, the soul is always inviting us into her place. And, and the place that the soul is inside of us is always, it's a whole different world. It's like um, countercultural. It's you know, it's there, it's solid, it's whole. And, uh, and so the invitation is always there to um, meet me there, you know, meet me, meet me here. Not, I love that aspect of the soul is just always inviting to something more real. Um, but it's probably going to be awkward. <laughs> Oh, so good. And Ryan, you need to, if you haven't already downloaded Phyllis's book, but you will love it. You will love it. It's really good. Right. It's on her website. You get, you can get it free. Um, and so I think practice, I just do Ryan's practices. <laughs> That's what I can think of. But what I think where with it, my, the practice is doing things that bring us joy without an outcome. So it's not walking to work out or to like, it's walking to be outside and notice what's there. It's not painting to make this cool painting, even though that might happen. It's just because I like painting and I like, I like connecting. So I think that that's like a piece in all this. And so, cause it, it goes to me, the practice goes to connecting with people, like not so that you have something, you just like hanging out with people and, you know, so it all applies, like just do things that you like to do without an outcome. It's a measure of our worth. Hard to do. Yeah. All of these things are hard to do. Worth yeah. doing. Um, yes. And so worth doing. And so I would just say, um, Ryan doesn't have a website um, because this is what we're talking about. This is the piece. You can exist and you can be, you can build a spiritual direction practice without a website. 
this is really important for people to know. We don't have to work on the world's like rules. It doesn't mean that if you get a website, it's a bad thing. I have one. It's not a bad thing. But he doesn't have one, but you can buy his book on Amazon or if you hate Amazon, which a lot of people do, you can get it on Indie Bookstore and different, you can get it in a lot of places, do what resonates with your soul. Um, but it's called Awkward Spirituality, the Divine um, Divinity of Ordinary Life. And then, um, you know, in terms of social media, I really, I appreciate everything that you share there. They're little snippets of yes. divine, ordinary, which we need more of. Yeah. So thanks for hanging out with us, Ryan. I hope I get to see you soon. Oh, thanks so much for the invitation. And yes, we will see each other soon. It's been such a pleasure. Thank you. Yeah. So this is Soul Practice and we always love to hear from you. And thanks for listening.